Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. But I have been praying and I'm excited to be bringing the word today. Who's happy to be in church? I'm just so, so love being in the house of God. Um, even though it's, it's different to what we used to know, I mean, it's coming up on, on, a, on a year now since this crazy thing took place. But man, there's nothing like getting to gather together and worship and to be together, um, to laugh together, to cry together, to pray together. And it's just an awesome thing. Let's uh, never take for granted what it is to be able to gather together. One thing that we've learned this, uh, this last 12 months is to not take things for granted, right, and be thankful. So I'm excited. We're starting a new series today, and it's called Steps. There it is, Steps. And it's His Journey, Our Journey. We're talking about Jesus. I love talking about Jesus, I love that, that uh, verse we sung there, that simple verse, but I'm coming back to the heart of worship, where it's all about you, it's all about Jesus. And that's, that's a, a simple statement, but man, it's a life-changing one. It's a profound one, and it's, uh, and it's one we've got to always come back to. So I'm excited. We're talking about the journey of Jesus, uh, the journey from from his, his miracles and when he's revealed into, into sort of public ministry, he goes into a time of, of releasing and um, recruiting people, making disciples, and then it accumulates in Resurrection Sunday when he rises over death and is victorious on the cross. And uh, we're going to have a great month of walking that journey out and looking at that. But that's what we're talking about, Jesus, and it's so exciting. The journey is an amazing one. And it impacts us, um, not just eternally, but also in the here and now. And that's where our journey comes into place. Because it's all about Jesus, and we're a church that's all about Jesus here, because it's all about His story and what He did for us and what He achieved for us, it impacts our journey. He, it's all about Jesus, therefore our journey changes. Our journey's impact. And that's what we're going to unpack. So I'm excited to kick off the series for, for Steps uh, this month. And our main text today I want to be reading from is Matthew chapter 3. Uh, let me give some context of what's going on here before we, we jump into it. So today the message is called The Big Reveal. Can you say that? The, the Big Reveal. Big Reveal. We're going to talk about the big reveal of, of Jesus and who He is. Now, there's already been... Prior to Matthew chapter 3, a, a mini reveal in a sense, it's not really a small one, but of, we talk about that at Christmas when um, Jesus, the, the Savior, is born. He's actually birthed miraculously, and this takes place. But then we have th- about 30 years where we don't really hear much. And in that Christmas time, uh, who loves Christmas time? Yeah, it's, you know, I love Christmas time. I'm already counting days for the next one. But as Pastor Tim said, Easter is the Super Bowl of our faith. 
and this is the main thing. And so there's been a, a mini reveal take place, and uh, Mary and Joseph and a few assorted different figures know that Jesus has been born, but he hasn't really been released publicly yet into his ministry, and that's what we're going to jump into here. But um, but yeah, there's, like I said, there's a limited amount of people who know this, the uh, Mary and Joseph, some of the shepherds who got to be a part of it, the, the Magi, some different people. And then the last we hear of Jesus recorded in Scripture from being a baby is when he's 12 years old. And then there's a gap of about 18 years that take place. Now, people like to speculate, and, and we like to do that kind of thing about what was taking place in those 18 years. There's really only uh, a couple of scriptures that allude to it that we'll look at later. But this, when he's 12 years old, um, he actually, we hear, the story that we hear is he goes up to Jerusalem uh, with his family for Passover, and then Mary and Joseph and his family leave to go back to their home, and they forget about Jesus. They leave him there. Forget about the Savior of the world. It's okay. We'll just leave him. We won't realize for three days. Pretty big uh, forget there. But come on, like any parents out there, you know that feeling of if you've misplaced your child. Has anybody done that? Let's be honest. Like you've forgotten, left him somewhere or her or left her at the mall. Um, if, you, if you don't have children, you can imagine that feeling. Maybe just forgotten sometimes that you have a child. Has anyone done that? I was, uh, had an amazing time a couple months ago. I was driving, driving up 9th Avenue by myself in my car, and I thought, well, I'm by myself. I'm going to turn up the music, a bit of rock and roll. Let's put on some Striper, some 80s Christian metal music by myself. And then 30 seconds later, I look back and realize my son's in the car with his hands on his ears, just disgusted at my music choice. And I'd forgotten that I was with him. Don't you judge me. Don't you judge me. Being a parent can be exhausting sometimes, but, but that's what's taking place here, and, and then there's 18 years, and we're going to pick it up in Matthew 3, but there's also another person who's going to be in this story who we also haven't heard about for 30 years, was a part of the Christmas story, it was a miraculous birth at the time of Jesus, now not the same kind of miracle that took place with Jesus, but was a miracle in his own right, it was announced by angels at that time. And that's John the Baptist. He is one of the most intriguing figures and, and men in, in, the, in the gospel story uh, in the New Testament. I find him fascinating. And so we're talking about the journey of Jesus, but I want to contrast that a little bit with the journey of John and then how that impacts our journey. So there's the stage that's been set, and here we go in Matthew 3. It says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of, so speaking of John, through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. So he's preparing the way for Jesus, is what that's prophesying. So John's arrived here. It says in verse 4, John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. Yummy. That's stampede food right there. But what's taking uh, here, I just want us to kind of paint a picture today. We are, as you know, Pastor Lon's away, and he's an incredibly um, profound preacher, and, and I love uh, getting to listen to my father-in-law's preaching and, and all those kind of things. Um, but one of the things I, I feel called to do is remind us of some of the stuff going on and paint a bit of a picture. So maybe you've heard the story um, all your life, but I want you to visualize it today. So John here, 
what's taking place is, is John's arrived on the scene out of nowhere. He was last heard of as a baby. Now he went away. The Bible says from an early age he took on the Nazarite vow. So we find out about that in, in Numbers 6 and, and not wanting to get too into the details. But this was a vow that was taken Somebody could take voluntarily, men or women, and there's a set of stipulations that, that they would do during this vow to consecrate themselves to the Lord. It would normally be for a set period of time, and then they could step out of that. But the Bible says that John actually took that on from a very early age up until this moment. Now, what are some of the vows that they, they took place here? Well, um, there's a few different things, but in number six, it says, if you're going to take this value to abstain from wine or any fermented drink, including kombucha, I think. Um, nor we are to have grape juice, eat grapes, raisins, even seeds or skins. So a very common food of the day he's not allowed to eat, hence he's eating some locusts there. Um, next, he was not to cut his hair for the length of that vow. Okay, so normally you'd take this vow for a short period of time. Some people during the COVID time, we went a long time without haircuts, right? And it got pretty haggard enough as it was. But this is, he's taken the vow from an early age. So John, John hasn't cut his hair. He's abstained from a whole bunch of things. And many Bible scholars and, and historians would say at this point, he would have arrived on the scene with long matted hair that was so long, he would have had to wrap that around his body probably carry it in, in a sack. It was a, a dreadlock of hair. Um, the camel hair he, he was wearing, often in the movies and images, it gets depicted as some nice fluffy camel hair from Hudson Bay. Um, but, but really, it was dirty camel hair. It was uncomfortable. He was uh, hairy and wild and ragged and, frankly, offensive to look at. And yet this is who God showed to show to prep the way for Jesus. John the Baptist was a guy that if we were to look at, we're never to judge a book by its cover, but if we were to see him, we would assume that he was a few fries short of his Happy Meal. You know, he's loco, he's, he's crazy. The, the wheel's turning, but the hamsters died a long time ago kind of thing. He's off his mind, yet... He is sent to prep the way for Jesus. This is his journey. And he's living a passionate, bold, authentic, wild life for God. What an intriguing guy. What an intriguing journey. That's what we're looking at here. He's in those days, John the Baptist has arrived prepping the way he's preaching. Really, he's preaching the gospel. Repent. Kingdom heavens near. So let's pick it up in verse 5. It says, People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by this wild, ragged, loco kind of guy. Let's stop there. It's amazing. See, we think, often I know I think the world wants a version of me and my journey a little bit tamed up, a little bit cleaned. He wants us, uh, we think that if we can just put on the right show, live in the right box, not get too out of line, then the world's going to be attracted to us. But I, I believe in this age we live in, this superficial age that's all dressed up and doled up, people are looking for authentic, bold, passionate, on fire for Jesus people. And it says that people from the entire region came out to see this wild, bold preacher of God. It's an amazing thing. 
Don't dress yourself up and don't uh, make yourself someone you're not. The world is looking for an authentic you. That is the journey as a result of his journey. So verse 7, it says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, so this is the religious people of the day, how do you know religion showed up? Well, it generally looks pretty sad, you see. Come on. Yeah, thank you. Coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. This is a bold message from John. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce fruit, good fruit, will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Offensive stuff. Verse 11, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance. And here's where we get to the journey of Jesus. It says, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chafe with with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came. Can you say, then Jesus came. He's arrived on the scene from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. This is the big reveal. This is amazing. We're about to step into seeing what takes place when Jesus is baptized. But think about this moment on John's journey. He's lived a secluded, consecrated life, been probably ridiculed, or people have probably talked about him. Of That's just that crazy John guy out in the desert. He's, uh, what's he doing with his journey? What's he doing with his life? And then John's been prepping and and, and preaching and praying and awaiting this moment and preparing the people. And he's there baptizing people. There's a mini revival taking place in the land. And all of a sudden, he, he looks up and he sees Jesus coming down the bank to be baptized. I don't know if you've ever stepped out in faith to do something. You feel like you've followed the um, call of the Lord on your life and you know, so you step out, do something crazy, whatever that might be in your context, and then there's a waiting period before you see the fruit come about. Has anybody been in that place? This is the place that John's in. He's bold, he's passionate, he's preaching, he's, he's sold out, but my guess is there's still questions. When will he arrive? When will he come? A- am I crazy? Have I got it wrong? This is what's going on. And then Jesus comes down and be, the journey of Jesus being revealed takes place here. In verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Wow, what a picture. Can you place yourself there if you are one of the people who had already been baptized? Maybe you were waiting to be baptized. Maybe you were a Pharisee. Maybe you were sad, you see, on the bank there. And then all of a sudden, 
Uh, you, can, you might not have heard it. We don't know exactly how if the entire people heard what was taking place, but, but you knew something special was taking place. And it says uh, Jesus in this moment, he experienced the Father's voice, the Holy Spirit, and we have the Son of God there. We have the Trinity right there. And it says, with him, this is my Son whom I love, speaking of Jesus, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What? I thought you were pleased, God. We're going to get into this later. But it says, it's amazing to me the fact that this is my son whom I'm pleased. And immediately afterwards, he's sent into 40 days in the desert of intense spiritual warfare. We too often associate comfort with God's pleasure and pleasing in our life. But Jesus' journey actually shows us that God is fully well, can be fully pleased and we step into a season of discomfort. Because more important than comfort is purpose. And we're going to talk about that today. So this is it, the launch of Jesus, roughly about three years of Jesus' ministry days from around age 30 to 33. Um, most people believe it was a three-year period. We, we have two of the Passovers that Jesus would have attended, recorded in Scripture, which is two, two years, but most people believe there's another one in there, and he, the amount of travel that he did, performing miracles, making disciples, freeing people, that's what we're going to look at in the next few weeks, but it would have been about three and a half years total. The, and here in this moment, the big reveal, the identity of Christ is revealed and confirmed, and it's a beautiful thing. Okay, so now, what does this mean for our journey? I have three kind of thoughts today. There's many more. You could preach an entire series on this passage of Scripture. But I just have three points I feel I'm meant to remind us as a church today and that how that will apply to our days and our journey as we look at the steps of Jesus. So the first one, can you say number one? Number one. This is the most important one. And this is so important. We should never forget this. Some of you guys are going to start to think I'm just a simpleton, that I'm up here just bringing, bringing stuff you already know. But this is key, and I want to never stop preaching this. Number one in the great reveal is that Jesus Christ is confirmed as the Son of God. The Son of God. This is who John has been prepping the people for. This is what the entire Old Testament is pointing us towards from Genesis onwards, this moment where a Savior is going to come, arrive on the scene, and he's going to be, he's going to be man, but he's going to be a God. He's going to be the God-man. He's going to be emptied of his divinity, walk as a man, live the perfect life, die the death that we should have died, um, take all our sin, all our shame, everything on the cross, defeat it, and rise victorious so that we can rise victorious. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the one. And that's what's being revealed here. It's declared by God. It's been confirmed in the baptism and what takes place. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a guy that had some good ideas. He's not just a way to God. The Bible says he is the way to God. I know this is offensive here in Canada, in the 21st century, but it's the way it is, according to the Bible. 
And we've got to stand strong to that. If you're here today and you're exploring what this whole church world is, maybe you were dragged out by a friend, maybe you were tricked into coming to church today, however you got here, we're so thankful and we're all on a journey that takes place. And um, that can come across pretty, pretty tough and strong to, to say that Jesus is the only way to God. I understand that. I know that, but it's not my words, it's his words. According to the Bible, it says in John 14, verse 6, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the revelation. And the exciting thing is, though, it's an invitation to all people. Everybody can come. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, Jesus has been given to you, to I, to our neighbors, to our colleagues, to, to everybody to accept him. But the fact is, he says that he is the way, he is the truth and the life, the only way to God. C.S. Lewis has a, a great quote, maybe many of you guys have heard, that really impacted me uh, when I first read it as a, a new Christian. And he says in his book, Mere Christianity, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, speaking of Jesus. And they say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman, or maybe something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Wow, what a statement, hey? Today, there's going to be an invitation for anybody who hasn't accepted Jesus as that, acknowledged that. We're going to speak more about our identity, but, um, but I'm going to, at the end of the service, open that up. And if that's you, uh, you're more than welcome to, to pray with me at the end of the service, and we'd love to start that relationship with God. But this is what is revealed first here in the great reveal is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And in order to know who we truly are, who I truly am and for you and, and who you really are and what's your purpose in life, I believe we need to relate to him for who he truly is. In order to know my identity, I need to know who Christ is. That's how it works. It, we can't find uh, our full identity outside of that. Has anybody ever done a, a family tree kind of quest where you've gone down to try and search out the history of your family? Um, there's lots of software and things you can do with that. And it's an amazing thing that there's something about, for us as humans, about going throughout history and finding out our past and our, um, our sort of genealogy and where we're from that helps reveal something about us. We did this uh, as the Flight family uh, about 15 years ago, just before software came out to do it. So my uncle spent hours and hours of time in the library, things doing that, and it was amazing. So um, I'm from Australia. 
and I'm from a place called Tasmania in Australia. So most people would, like, would know that Australia was a, a penile colony. Convicts were sent there, um, like many other places from England, to settle the land. And Tasmania, within that island, because as if an island wasn't enough to escape from, the island of Tasmania within an island was where the worst criminals got to go. Or those who, just in case they were going to try and escape from this island, they had another island to get through. And we always learnt growing up, my family history, that the way that we arrived to Tasmania from, from England was through a guy named Francis Flight. Um, and the way that he got to Tasmania was that he was a cabin boy on one of the boats. So he volunteered, he, he worked on one of the ships to get to Tasmania, and he was um, doing a noble thing, working and everything. Well, when my uncle looked into our family history, we actually found out that he, he told a little white lie there. He wasn't a cabin boy, he was actually a convict that got sent to Tasmania. Um, and, and it's interesting, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but it's just an interesting thing when we look back in our family line and discover things, it actually changes how we see our identity in a way. Um, I don't see myself as a convict, don't worry, I've been set free of that. Um, but, you know, it's an amazing thing. At 14 years old, he was sent from London, banished from Lon London to the penile colony of Tasmania um, for stealing bread to feed his sisters because he was an orphan on the streets in London. Fascinating stuff. I don't know if you've ever looked back into your family tree and found out something you didn't know. That's, this, these kind of things have happened a couple times um, through both sides of my family. So we've told... Uh, my uncles and aunties and my mum and dad to just stop looking now. There's too many skeletons in the closet. Let's just, let's just leave it. Let's just repent and move on. But um, it's amazing how we look back in the natural, at our family. But in the bigger picture of things, we need to get back to our source, our creator, our father God. In order to know who we truly are, we need to go back to our father and discover who he is. Way more than anything in the natural and we do that through Christ. Our identity and the identity that's revealed in his journey impacts our journey because in order to truly live out our journey, we have to discover who Christ is. In Colossians 2 verse 10, it says, And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. In Christ. So the kind of the counter to that would be then outside of Christ, we are incomplete in our identity. It's only in Him we know fully who we are. Discovering who you are, who I am, and also who we are not is key to living out our life of purpose that God has for us. Just as important as knowing who we are, I believe we need to know who we're not called to be. This is John's journey. A little while after this um, main passage that we've shared there, this scene, Jesus has come out of the desert victorious over the devil, and he starts going across the land, preaching, performing miracles, and baptizing people. And in John chapter 3, we find this scene where um, John's disciples come to John the Baptist, John the baptizer, and, and say, hey, that guy, you know, that guy that you baptized in the Jordan is now, his disciples and him are baptizing people, and it's taking people away from what we're doing here. And this is what his disciples say to John. And John's um, journey, John's response here is amazing. He said, it says, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ. So he knew who he wasn't. 
but I have been sent ahead of him. John knew who he was. It's so important for us to li- for us to live that satisfying life, stepping in the rhythm of God, to know who we are, but also who we are not. He goes on to say, one of my favorite statements in the Gospels is where John the Baptist says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Talking about the Son of God, I love that passage there. John knew who he was and who he wasn't. Today, I really felt as I was preparing this message and praying into this morning, praying my face off, as Pastor Long would say, um, there's people here today and you've been in a struggle for your identity. You've been in a wrestle for your identity. Maybe you've felt like beforehand you knew who, who you were and circumstances have come about and, and has rattled that identity. Maybe you've never known who you are and, and you're trying to discover yourself and trying to find out who you are. And, and these things are all well and good. We need to discover who we're meant to be, who we're not meant to be. But I'm here to encourage and remind you and say to you today, outside the context of knowing who Christ is, you are not discovering your full potential. You're not discovering your full identity. You're not discovering who you're called to be. And I believe God might be calling you back into finding out who he is so you can find out who you are today. And we're going to pray into that today. If you're in a wrestle, if you're in a struggle, if you're questioning your identity and your very core, who you are meant to be, there's an invitation from God today to bring it back to the heart of worship where it's all about Jesus. And as you discover about Jesus, I know and I promise you that after time and persistence in doing that, you will discover yourself and your true identity. Okay, number two, speeding along here uh, out of the observations of the great reveal that takes place um, is what we do in private is much more significant than public. Or our private journey is key to our public journey. And uh, so what I mean by that is, like I said, there's, there's a whole bunch of years of Jesus' life that we don't know about. There's a whole bunch of um, John's life where he's hidden away. There's a whole period of time where before they come on the scene. And in Luke chapter 2, we actually find out what Jesus was, was doing for that time. And there's so many speculations and documentaries and books and these things draw from culture of the day to sort of say what he might be doing and it's all well and good. But scripturally, the one thing that we do know for sure was just after his parents had forgot him as a kid, as a 12-year-old boy, they come up and found him and he's like, Mom and Dad, don't you know I'm, I'd be in the Father's house? Like, duh, come on. This is, I'm the Son of God. Um, and then it says that they kind of, uh, you know, disciplined him a little bit, said we need to know where you are. And it picks it up. It says in chapter 2, verse 51, Then he went down to Nazareth with them, with his family, and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. That's what he was doing for the 18 years. Jesus was growing. If Jesus needed to grow in private, how much more do I need to grow in private and look after my private world? We're talking about his journey and our journey. So see, Jesus' silent years, his non-public years, weren't just him doing nothing, and then he turns up on the scene. It actually says that he was growing in stature with God and with man. He was in relationship with people, and he was in relationship with God. He was going through this process. 18 years. 
give or take, before we hear from him, before he steps into his public ministry. The most significant moments of our journey, of my journey, of of yours, and our steps that we need to take are not the ones done in public, they're the ones done in private. The foundations that we're working on, what are we doing when no one's around? How How are we growing when we're not around? I love getting to gather together, publicly like this together, and worship God. There's nothing like it. There honestly isn't. We're designed for this. This is why the church is so key and crucial and coming together for a service. And equally as important in my life is my own time in the Word of God, my own time in prayer, the time when I don't have you guys around me to encourage me that I'm encouraging myself in the Lord. These private times, these moments where we're not released publicly or we're not around people are key to living a life of purpose, key to our journey being fulfilled in the fullness of what God has. What takes place in the silent and the private is just as important, if not more important, than publicly. So think about it. Jesus was in the perfect will of God, living the perfect life, seeking God, growing God, and and he had this period of time um, of, of silence. John was the same. And this leads us into the next point. But John was consecrating himself for the Lord. He knew he had a purpose. He knew he had a destiny. And some of you guys, I feel today, some of us here feel like, I'm not living out my purpose like I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be different. God, I thought when you spoke to me, I thought when you promised me that it was going to look different. And I just want to say today, be encouraged, because maybe you're just in your silent years where God's actually working on the key things before he releases you publicly. Jesus went through it. John the Baptist went through it. I think we're all going to go through a period of time where we need to work on our private life, work on our foundations, and then be released into whatever God might have for us. But it's not just sitting around doing nothing. It says Jesus was growing. Jesus was pursuing God. He was doing life. He was with people. He was in friendships. He was in community. And he was living life for God before he launched into his ministry. And, uh, and looking at the time, I'm going to scoot along to my sort of third point here. Out of that is that living out God's journey for us often does not lead to comfort, but it does lead to purpose. Living out God's journey for us often does not lead to comfort, but it does lead to purpose. And there is a difference. We all love comfort. I love comfort. We all enjoy the comfort that we're in, and and there's times where God has us in seasons of comfort. I want to make that clear, but I want to push back against the idea, and and I've seen this over the last few years in my own life, seen this in pastoring people at C3 East Village, um, and just through friendships and that, that sometimes in our modern day here in Calgary or any of the communities we're from, or if you're tuning in online from anywhere today, um, wherever you are, we can often equate our life being comfortable with being in the will of God. And it's not an accurate measurement. If it was an accurate measurement, then John the Baptist failed miserably and Jesus Christ failed miserably. Let's have a look at that. Think about it. Jesus, he was in that perfect will of God, growing, comes out, gets baptized. God's pleased with him. And then immediately he's thrown into the desert for 40 days. That's not a life of comfort. 
So he overcomes that period of time in the desert, spiritual warfare with the devil, comes out on the other end, and then his life, he goes about performing miracles. It says that um, he only did what the Father told him to do, so he was in the perfect will, perfect obedience of God, and then three years later, he was killed and crucified on the cross. That's not comfortable. John the Baptist, born he didn't really get a, get a say in the purpose and journey of his life um, much, in, but he did have to choose to take that period of discomfort where he was an outcast of society, where he was consecrating himself to the Lord and pursuing um, God in the desert, and then he comes out and performs the will of God as well, prophesied for, for years and years that he'd be the one prepping the way preaching and seeing people saved and baptized and making fun of religious people, which is fun to do, and all these kind of things that he was doing there on the riverbanks. And then for his efforts, he was arrested and then shortly later beheaded. I don't think many of us have these calls that they had to live out in our journey today. But I do want us to realize that measuring whether we're in the journey and walking out the full steps of what God has for us and whether we're living a comfortable life is not an accurate measurement. And often we think, well, the doors that are open widely and easily, they must be the ones God's taking for us, uh, showing us and opening for us. I want to say today, if you've had a promise from God, if you've had an unction from the Holy Spirit to step out, and you've had some resistance in your life, and you've felt like, well, it mustn't have been the will of God, may I suggest that maybe that was the perfect will of God, and you were stepping into something great and are stepping into something great and be encouraged just because there's resistance, just because there's discomfort in your world, just because there's some pushback, that's not an indicator that you're outside of the will of God. That's not an indicator that you're outside of the journey he has for you. Maybe it's an indicator that you're right in step with what he has for you. And be encouraged because the God, can, God will bring it to fruition. Living out God's journey for us, often doesn't lead to comfort, but it leads to purpose, which is so much greater. And I know where are people here today who on, at the end of our lives, we want to look back on our life and, and maybe even on our headstone, we don't want written, um, he lived a life of comfort. I wanted to say he lived a life of purpose. He made a difference. He made a change. That can be the cry for all of us and all of our hearts today. There's a great scene in my favorite movie, Braveheart. Yeah, I love Braveheart. Some of you young guys are like, what's Braveheart? Look it up. It'll change your life. And there's this great scene where um, there's a battle about to take place, and it's about the, the sort of the destiny of Scotland and what's taking place. They're trying to get free from the English, one of the very inaccurate historically movie, but the concept's all right. And it's this great scene where William Wallace arrives on the scene with his blue face paint, and he turns up and... Sons of Scotland, he says, and he um, does this amazing speech, but he basically gives them a choice because they're going to turn away. They don't want to die for the nobles. They don't want to do that, and he makes this statement in it. He says, um, I'm William Wallace, and I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny, so they're there for purpose. Um, you've come to fight as free man, and free man you will. What will you do about freedom? Will you fight? And they're faced with a choice there. And one of the guys says, no, we'll, we'll run and we will live. We'll choose comfort, is what the guy cries out. And he says, because uh, he says, we'll run and we will live. And William Wallace says, aye, fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. 
at least for a while, and dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all these days from this day to that for one chance, for just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. It's such an epic scene. I love it. I love it. And of course, they rally behind him and they go and fight the battle. But what he's really given them is a choice. Is like, do you want to choose comfort? A little bit of comfort where you get to go home or do you want to choose purpose? And we're all designed for purpose. We all have a journey of purpose. Jesus' journey was one of purpose. And today my encouragement is let's not settle for comfort. Let's settle for purpose. My prayer is you have a comfortable, great life in many ways. But just because there's discomfort, don't be discouraged. In closing, and on that word, I guess purpose, I just want to say our purposes look very different. For some of us, our our purpose is nothing like standing on a stage, um, preaching. It's not like John. It's not like other people. Purpose can be found in what the world may even see as the most uh, monotonous thing. We can bring purpose to it if we're in the place that God wants us to be. The Psalms say in 57 verse 2, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. Let's live that out. One of my Bible college teachers used to say, Jesus was notorious for comforting the uncomforted and making those who were too comfortable uncomfortable. He's still in that business today. As followers of Christ, we're not meant to settle for comfort. We're meant to settle for purpose. Amen? Okay, so what does this journey mean for you and I? Imagine the difference in your life, in my life, in the world around us, if we could be confident knowing who we're called to be and who we're not meant to be. We find that in looking at His journey and finding out who Christ is. Can you picture your life today if the measurement for success wasn't comfort, it wasn't the things of this world, but it was actually purpose? Were you living out purpose? That's a much more exciting life to me than one of just simply setting, settling for comfort. And do you know that most of the key times in our life, in our walk with God, are the unseen, when we're spending time with God alone, when we're seeking Him and no one else is around, that can be the most beautiful, rich, fruitful time in your life if you're positioning yourself to be. That was Jesus' journey. That was John's journey. And that's our journey to live out. Jesus' arrival on the scene into public ministry had John preparing the way. And that's the call of his church today. That's the call of Christians today is to prepare the way for the coming Lord, to prepare people's hearts to experience the love that we've experienced from God, that our Savior has come in. And if you're here today and you've uh, never accepted Jesus into your heart, you've never started a relationship with Him, it's a free invitation. And that's, we're going to be looking at Jesus over the next few weeks, what He did, why He did it, and how on Easter Sunday we celebrate resurrection where He resurrected over, over death and became victorious. But you don't need to wait if you've never made that decision. I want to give you that option today. And what it would mean is you're just saying to God, God, I want to invite you into my life. I want to know Jesus as as Lord. I want to find out the identity of Christ and therefore find out my identity in Him. 
And if you're in that, this place today, we've all eyes closed just in this last two minutes um, out of respect for each other. If you're in this place, you've never made that decision. You made it a long time ago, but today you want to recommit to God. You want to recommit discovering His identity and therefore your identity. Would you just give me a wave? And I'd love to just pray with you. Really, I'll acknowledge it. You can put your hand down. And you're just saying before God today, I want to know Christ as Lord. I want Him in my life. I want the forgiveness that I can receive freely of the wrongdoings. I want to turn back to Him and I want to experience Him. God's love today and He does love you. He loves you so much He sent His Son for the cross to make a way so there's no more obstacles. And if that's you today, you can just give me a wave. Um, it's an act of faith saying, saying, God, I want to start that journey. I'll include you in this prayer and then, and then we'll, we'll go on from there. But is there anybody here in this 10 seconds that wants to make that decision today? You want to invite Jesus into your life or you just want to make a recommitment today? Just believe the Holy Spirit's moving and speaking. And if that's you, you don't miss this chance where He's calling you back to Him. Just looking across the building one more time from, from my right to the left. Just give me a wave if that's you. I don't want to miss anybody and I don't want to miss this chance today. Awesome, I see that hand. Thank you, sir. Very brave. Is there anyone else? Thank you. See that hand? Amazing. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray for you, the two people who responded today. And, and uh, that's an amazing thing. You've made an amazing decision. Whatever it was today, whether it was your first time or whether it was uh, recommitment, let me just pray. Lord, I thank you that it's in you we find our identity, Christ. And Lord, I thank you that you came and you've made a way for every single person, regardless of their history, regardless of their family tree, regardless of where they've come from or what they're doing, to freely access the Father, to access you, God. So I pray for those two decisions, Lord, today, that they would just feel your Holy Spirit flood over them right now. The blood of Jesus washed away the sin, and from this day forward, they'd see it as a line in the sand where they committed to finding out who you were, Christ. So Lord, I thank you for those people. I pray a blessing on them. I pray protection upon them. Lord, I thank you they're going to have an amazing week ahead of them, Lord, that they can be confident in knowing that they know their Savior, they know God, and that their life is okay, that they're safe, that nothing can take place that would, uh, would rattle that, and they have a relationship with you that's strong. And Lord, we bless them, we bless their walk, and that you'll continue to be with them and reveal yourself to them more and more. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand, church. I want to pray for us today, and, and then we're going to close the service off. But I want to pray for those who are struggling with their identity, because I believe in the great reveal in Jesus' journey, that reveals something about our, our identity and who we are to be. So if that's you, you want to know more who you're called to be or you're in that struggle, why don't you just lift your hands and let me pray. Lord, I thank you, God, you have a purpose and you have a plan for each person in this place. Lord, I thank you, God, we don't have to succumb to what the world says we should be. 
Lord, I just think of John, how people would say he was this, he was that, he was Christ, he was Elijah, he was a crazy guy in the desert, but you had an identity and a journey for him specifically. Lord, and I pray for those people who are in a wrestle right now, they're questioning their identity. Holy Spirit, I pray you would come and you would speak to them right now. And first and foremost, they would know that they're a son or daughter of God, that they're loved from you, Lord God, that they don't have to worry about the world and what the world says and build their identity on the things that crumble in this world, but they can build it on you, the solid rock, Christ. So Lord, I thank you for the the wrestles that are taking place, Lord. God, there'll be victory, there'll be great outcome, and people will step into that journey you have for them, knowing who they are, knowing who they are not, and knowing that they are called and loved by you. We thank you, God, we get to walk out this week, just like John the Baptist, preparing a way for people to come and experience your love. So in our workplaces, in our homes, in the cafes, in the schools this week, can you show us ways that we can prepare people's hearts to experience your love? And I thank you, God, for this journey we're on for the next four or five weeks of finding out more about Jesus. This is our heart. This is our worship, that it's all about you. And it's all about Jesus. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. If you want prayer for any reason, we'll be available here today. Um, We have a great week ahead and a great month ahead. So if you can just leave out those doors, pick up your kids if you need to, and have an amazing week, church. Thank you for allowing me to kick off our series today. We'll, We'll see you next week. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.